Hi, welcome back to the Digital Twin Podcast, your hosts, Hari and Omar. This is uh, Season 3, Episode 4, and today we are discussing the operations segment of the Porter's value chain. Uh, Last episode, we discussed the inbound logistics. This episode, we'll be discussing um, more on the operations front, uh, kind of looking at the technologies, what's happening and, and how people are approaching this section um, within the value chain. I think, Hari, this, this, this area is, is quite dynamic, quite unique. Mm-hmm. There's, there's probably a lot of ideas out there on, on, on where um, uh, technologies and, and, and maybe even uh, shifts in how people are looking at um, this space um, and, and seeing the, the potential opportunity here. Uh, is uh, definitely getting a lot of uh, headlines. I mean, um, as far as I can see, you know, behind supply chain, uh, we, we see operations right in the, the high-end area of yeah. digital transformation initiatives, right? I mean, so with that being said, I mean, how, when, we, when we start looking at the operations side of things, you know, how, how, how should we look at this? How should we start to even evaluate what, what, what happens in that in that value chain right so i think we talked about this as as we gonna kind of try to break this down we want to call this out as three different elements that are going into production right and we have listeners that don't really come from this sort of background uh, but we do and so really there's one core element uh, that, that goes in is the resources and the people and the energy and all these things that go into the to whatever you're doing, you're making things, whether you're making cars or planes or, you know, you're, you're refining oil, whatever that you're doing, that, that whatever is going into it, that's the resources side of things. Then there is the act of making something, right? That is the second piece. Whatever you're doing, what is, what is that economic activity that you're involved in, right? And what is the third piece that we want to talk about is, is that's the, the, the critical pieces of equipment, your factory, your, your, you know, whatever is it that is doing the production. Yeah. Um, that's the heavy machinery. That's the fixed assets you invested yeah. in, right? So it's the inputs into the machine that's creating the output that the consumer is Correct. taking. And that whole process in itself is orchestrated, right? Yeah. So when you look at the, you enter into a system the factory, the production, the equipment, you're bringing in the raw materials to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's how much power is going into this piece of equipment, how much uh, raw material, who is handling and coordinating that? Do you need people to bring things? How automated you are. are, Exactly. Is it all automated? Is a lot of people that are handling People making sure things are working properly to make sure the quality of the output is there. So all of that is orchestrated in a way that is somewhat identified in a process, right? So you yeah. talk about process, the equipment, or the assets in itself within a facility, and then the resources, as you mentioned, you know, people and the energy that go into it. And you know, a lot of the areas that we look at is is when you break it down that way, the elements in itself have associated value yep. right you know when you talk about the resources energy costs money people cost money um and re- handling and maintaining the equipment 
or the asset or that system costs money. So operating this asset in the right way so that you're not overexerting it can cost you money. And how that is optimized in that process can help save you or optimize you, reduce your costs and waste. Exactly. So when we look at that and holistically, that's interlinking in a lot of ways, right? And I think this is where it can be a little complex and challenging. But this is where, you know, we see a lot of unique uh, developments across um, different technologies such as um, data gathering and modeling and digital twin development on how things are running, uh, how should they be running, um, theoretical modeling, you know, from from a chemical standpoint and a thermodynamic standpoint, how much energy is supposed to be used, you know, and monitoring these different aspects of the factory uh, with a lot of data that happens day in and day out. There's a lot of opportunity where you're creating a lot of different or really the same product over and over again for a constant period of time that you can measure. Take that data. See how you can get better, improve. Are you baselining? Are you meeting the expectations of quality, the usage, the asset utilization of your equipment, and do you have the right amount of resources that are going into that day in and day out? There's also some additional variables. Sometimes you're not making the same product either, right? Sometimes your your product mix is changing depending on the demand, and so how are you really adapting to that demand and – and you know how do you still optimize what you're making? You know, using the least amount of resources, and how do you produce the right amount of product? At you know, and and be able to supply that to the market in a short amount of time. I mean, there is a lot of moving parts and pieces in this, right? Yeah, and, and I think it comes back to the rigidity of an organization that we mentioned in the last episode. Um, is that if you're highly rigid, rigid in your processes? And in what you're doing, mm-hmm. it can be very challenging to adapt to the consumer changes that are happening in a, in a unique way, depending on your business, that having that flexibility of changing that robust and rigid, rigid system can really put you in a disadvantage or a non-competitive uh, environment where you know, we see a lot of vertical integration, a lot of inner interplays with the supply chain and, and, and how – you know, all these components can run into your tooling of new factories, right? I think you mentioned Tesla uh, a couple of episodes back on, you know, how are they adapting and changing the, the manufacturing? Do they even for, have a different type of manufacturing? Like, yeah. you know, that's an interesting kind of concept, right? Are they doing anything different? They are reinventing cars for sure, but are they reinventing factories? What do, you, what, the, what do we find out? Yeah, the design and the yeah. process of how they're doing it, right? I mean, you know, what you what you can kind of correlate is you know when you're developing things in a much more modular way, you have much more flexibility mm-hmm. in controlling each module. But if everything is dumped into a system or a piece of when you throw this in, it's 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 all in and it's all out the same way. You have no flexibility there. But if you have touch points, stop points, different ways of moving different subcategories, I would say not finished good, but uh, goods, you know, uh, goods in progress. How do you take those goods in progress that can be used in different other finished goods, yeah. right? Yeah. How do you change that manufacturing or production 
philosophy or strategy to be able to shift with the, the the current conditions right and i think that's what we're trying to 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 talk about here and and one there is costs associated with that right it may rethink on how you design factories or production floors manufacturing floors and you know but you may not be at, you don't have the the uh, the kind of freedom that Tesla had, right? You, your factory's already built. Your processing facility's already built. Uh, there are some limitations to which what you can or cannot do. But to your point about how much energy is being used, a lot of these plants have, you know, their own, you know, energy production associated with it, right? These guys are big energy consumers in a geographical area, and so any small reduction in energy consumption is is big money saved for the company but also as you know a community right that is less resources uh, uh, uh that, that we are commu- you know as a community using right um reducing the carbon footprint and one thing really we didn't mention a whole lot is is the human element of it and and the safety element of it right um although you know every factory does everything in their in their in their power to be, make sure that you know, they're doing everything safe. Incidents do happen. Um, but technology is allowing us today to to improve that through many different ways, right? So maybe it's an opportunity for us, you know, in the next phase of this discussion to talk about not just, you know, people, but how is technology impacting these three, you know, core components of operations? Yeah. Where, what, what is it? What's happening? You know, I think you know with the the Internet of Things or the 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 more data and sensors that you could put across the production and facility force to gather or to forecast challenges that are arising within the process or within the manufacturing um, process or chain can give you early indication that the quality or the design or the yeah, the quality of the finished good may not be. Um, mm-hmm. to the liking, right? And yeah. before you get to the finished good, how can you affect? Catch it early. Catch it early so that you're not throwing away scrap, that you're not, you know, having to re-utilize um, that that asset or equipment using double energy to satisfy a customer need that really didn't have to be utilized, right, in that yeah. way. So I, though I do see a lot of growth and technology around how to model and create more, visibility across different parts of the um, the uh, manufacturing process or production process to be much more um, proactive on, on how they can uh, affect the quality of the product um, earlier than, than waiting till A quick example I want to throw out is, you know, the in pharmaceutical, for example, was this batch uh, production. You know, you may be getting some of the raw materials – uh, from an, uh, another facility where they have a similar production process, right? And if you don't catch some of these issues early, you might be, you know, identifying the problem right at the entry point of one facility. But that could have been caught way early in one of the earlier production facilities that actually manufactured some of that raw material, right? But they, they won't show up until you get to a certain phase. So to your point, I just want to, and I, 
re-emphasize that it's incredibly important in some industries like manufacturing you know in uh, pharmaceutical where you throw away you know large batches of your finished product because you could not catch an error early on or quality problem early on and in pharmaceutical in particular right any sort of variation in quality is is it's done is it's over right there's no way you can go forward yeah absolutely i think so where there's high there's high risk or there's low tolerance, a, a low tolerance, a high, uh, high uh, demand for quality, uh, especially around the medical and pharmaceutical fields, uh, for one, is, is, is absolutely um, 100% focused on how they can mitigate mm. a lot of these risk factors. So there is that rooted value and why it's important, right? You know, if it's one batch of of material or a couple of batches a month, all that starts to add up and affect the overall quality, the operations, the image of companies. And, you know, think of all the energy, just energy alone that has gone into producing something all upstream, all the raw material that's gone in, all the resources that have gone in, into, you know, into that batch that you throw out. Right. Yeah. I mean, the cost but, is, you know, yeah. and you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of people take the operations for granted. You know, when you look at at a high level from planning and forecasting and everything like that, they automatically assume I have this much raw material. I'm going to create this much good material, and it's going to go. But in that operations value chain, the efficiencies of doing a great job creating quality product. Having a high enough yield, if you, if you make one or two percent increases of the the quality uh, to make sure that you have a higher conversion rate of a lot of these things, can do wonders. Absolutely. Uh, to the planning and, and production, and that's we get back to that level of risk, risk and um, and uh, optimization balance, right? Yeah. You can optimize as best as you can, but you're going to give up a little bit of tolerance risk for money, but um, uh, right now, a lot of people run with, you know, we want low risk, so they have higher higher costs to associate with any upsets or anything that happened along the way that they have that built in. But the idea is how do you reduce that, you know, factor, right? Yeah. How, do you, how do you capture some of that money that's being used to just – keep that risk profile down right? so that that those some of these things that we discussed is in the in that in that production side of thing right that that yeah. that that bucket where this actual production the economic creation is happening right you're making stuff making you're making stuff. that you're making stuff. something whether you're making yeah. a car or biscuits right something's coming out <laughs> yeah. of something right yeah you're making the biscuits something. you got to make sure those biscuits are yeah nice and fluffy and flaky absolutely. Yeah, absolutely so then the question is what technologies are impacting you know let's say resources side of things or the equipment side of things where there's fixed assets that are expensive pieces of equipment that are very, you know, very much critical to the line, right? Yeah. And cannot afford to go down. So you, we know the cost of it, you know, and depend, depends on the, the actual line or depends on the industry. It's going to cost you a significant amount of money if, you, if something goes down abruptly and you didn't plan for it, right? Uh, or if you have, uh, you know, a challenge as far as energy goes, you're just dumping, literally just dumping cash, you know, if, if yeah. you're wasting energy, that's just money right out the window, right? So what are the technologies that are in play today to to kind of improve these areas? 
I think you have a lot of things around the predictive um, machinery analytics these days around vibrational sensing, bringing in data that can give you early indication that the machine is operating in a different range than it should be and can give you indication that, you know, somebody may need to look at that a little bit sooner than than, than normal. Um, you know, but, you know, what you find is that you have a lot of these critical machines, assets that are being, you know, stored with spares and backups that they have loaded and that's assets on the book that are not being utilized that are just waiting to go for that risk tolerance that's that's what that's that's really what's happening right so when you start thinking about machines and, and different assets you start to look at well how can i utilize you know five six different machines that are probably the same model and make that i can just have one or two of these big machines on spare that i can just um you know plop in that's a strategy, right? But that's also a design um, element. On the technology side, you can visualize and have better indications on how to service these things. Um, you know, how it just often? really depends how it really depends on yeah. how far you want to go with this technology. And when we talk about value, how much is enough, right? And also the the pieces of equipment. You know, some of them you just let it fail and fix it after. Some of them you don't simply simply don't. And then the other end of the spectrum, you don't want it to fail at all, right? Yeah. So yeah. there is a variation. Are you going to do? Yeah. And some you can see it's like I would say, you know, I'll give you two two examples. It's, you know, you know, we have unplanned shutdowns or unplanned um, events such as earthquakes, like they just come up and they spring on you, or yeah. on the other side where the 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 extra data and the analytics can help you is that hey, we have a hurricane coming in the next five days. What can we do before it hits? Yep. So that's where the, the hurricane analogy really comes into play with a lot of these new technologies that you can foresee that the problems are getting closer and closer before they become catastrophic yep. versus an unplanned or catastrophic event that you, no matter what data and, and technologies you put in there, you're just not going to, you're just not going to be able to, to you know, foresee yeah. coming right so what about the so, humans that are in the mix they, they are dealing with both the, the actual production activity as well as the the heavy equipment and assets right yeah i think there's a lot of pieces there that are really evolving um digitizing data when you look at operations of looking at equipment observing things that the human um will observe from assets equipment just the process in general what's happening out in the field Right now, you don't see a lot of that being brought into overall um, analytics around that piece of it. Right now, you have a lot of data that's being collected at very minute levels to give you some baseline. But we see a lot of that happening um, around that with, with um, the human element. And also, positioning the human element in the right areas um, where – they can focus the time and effort and also be aware of some of the safety concerns that are integrated with some of the you know, technologies of where the, the, the human's at within, uh, you know, a plant or facility where there's there could be some challenge issues happening, yeah. whether it's releases of toxic gases, machinery out of control, you know, you keep, name it. Keep how humans do, out of danger, people really. Safe. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot of technology and moving pieces there that are really exciting. Um and, um, but better decision making as well. Like these are these are people that are walking around the plan. These are massive, massive facilities, and they need to be given the ability to make decisions on the fly. 
and make quick and right decisions. And so information is key. And yeah. that transparency of data, again, I mean, it pretty much comes in every one of our podcasts, but the truth is that that person, when a person who's mobile has to have the ability uh, to look at data at their fingertips and make decision and just make that quickly and decisively, right? Absolutely. And especially when it comes to safety, when it's automated, telling a worker that they have to get out of that area, you don't want to wait for an operator to go and say, oh, there's something wrong. Let me tell everyone to go. You would like that system to be able to say there's something wrong. There's people there. Notify. Get out. Absolutely. Right? So that those are some of the technologies that are really being uh, utilized and enhanced today that are really exciting. So the third part of our conversation, really, and then we'll wrap this up, is, you know, is this grounded in reality? And, you know, and that's, you know, kind of our second piece, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Is this grounded in reality and what's the value? And we can hit on both, right? Yeah. How so much of what of you just is, talked about is grounded in reality? I'd say we a lot of this is grounded. It's vetted. It's there. Um, but, um, you know, in certain industries, certain, um, um, you know, segments of industry have, uh, we mentioned this previously in in, in, episode, in season one and two about the culture and how the adoption of technologies and the utilization and, and, and the behavior, the human element and the human behavior of, of adopting new technology um, in a data-driven culture can be somewhat um, a non-reality or a non-starter for certain industries. And, and maybe they're not ready. Maybe they're not progressing We're just fast. slow. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, but that's Eventually, you're saying that's driven that. by more around culture than technology and the availability of technology. I think so. Yeah. I think as you start you start evolving, the technologies are new. Um, they may not easily integrate into certain cultures versus others. So this is where you have some of that slow to adopt um, um, yeah. areas, and, and I think it, that's an. And how do you fact. incorporate that into their existing workflow? which is where the culture and the technology kind of collide. How do I change my way of doing things? Um, Because now there is a different piece of information available and a piece of software or somewhere, right? And do I volunteer to make that change? Do I trust the system? Is it telling me? Is it in my face? Is it part of my everyday work? Is it in a tablet that I walk around with? Or is it something that I have to go ask for? I mean, a lot of things come into play, right? As to how do you insert this technology into the day-to-day workflow to make it absolutely fluent and smooth? This is an area that I I think when you talk about grounded in reality, this is where most organizations are having the most amount of challenges. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not a... It's not a very easy area because it's a full prong approach. You know, as you as you'll go back and look at some of our podcasts, it, this area in operations is very much an area where it is uh, it's grounded in reality, but it's a very heavy lift because there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things that are happening, and it's dynamic, much more dynamic in in most of the value chain throughout uh, the value chain process, the operations is very dynamic. And yeah. that's where it becomes a nice big challenge. And that probably is something that every organization has to look at it somewhat independently, right? You have to have a, a tailored approach to every organization. There is no one size fit all there. 
mm-hmm. but we both agree that there is value, right? And that's the one oh, piece yes. that we didn't quite Absolutely. hit. We all agree that this is this is a, and we've hit on this on other podcasts. There's significant value associated with you know uh, either reducing energy, improving carbon footprint, improving the reliability of the equipment that we talked about. Uh, ensuring that they don't impact your production. So you keep your production rates high, quality high, reducing scrap. I mean, there's significant economic value yeah. in all these activities, not a question. But I think there, how you- there's would, a, yeah. yeah, I'd say there's a lot of room there to do small use cases and build out, build out, you know, you know, prove the value. There's a lot of area there to do, um, test out technologies and processes to help. So. Absolutely, absolutely. We went a little longer than we planned on on this uh, episode, right? It is a dynamic section of the yeah. the, the the chain, and um, there is a lot of room there. And uh, we do thank everybody for uh, joining us on uh, on, on this uh, episode. Um, stay tuned for the next. You can find us on the Digital Twin Podcast. Hari and Omar signing out. We'll see you next time. See ya.